Hi there, and welcome to Totally His Running the Race, a show enabling young men and women who want to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Tim Harris, podcasting from EI School of Biblical Training in Greenville, South Carolina. Thanks for joining. This is episode two of our 12-episode series called Running the Race. And today's episode is titled, Created for a Purpose. Everything that is made is created for a purpose. Have you ever wondered why you were created? What is your purpose in this life? Well, in this episode, Caleb Borisic is going to explain to us from God's Word the fact that each of us has been created for a purpose in life. Before we listen, let me introduce Caleb to you. Caleb is originally from upstate New York. He came to school and graduated with our associate's degree. He then was asked to stay on as an intern and has served as a staff member since that time. While serving on staff, he completed our third-year program and was able to get a bachelor's degree through the school. He is married, and his wife's name is Claire, and they've been married for almost four years. Caleb has a great heart for young people and a a deep desire that people would understand that they've been created for a purpose. Let's go ahead and listen to what Caleb has to share with us. My name is Caleb Borsick, and I am so excited to talk with you all this morning about how we are created for a purpose. Last week, Colin Brazier talked to you about God, the uncreated one. And it's amazing to think about the uncaused cause, one who has no beginning and no end, one who has no origin or creator. And this morning we want to think about why this uncreated one decided to create. But why is that an important question to ask? Well, Paul, when he was thinking about a church that he uh, had gotten to know, people that he cared about, he wanted them to become more like Jesus. This is something that he was praying for them, and we, we find it in the book of Colossians. He says, We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His, or God's will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, I've just said a lot. It's a a complex prayer. But there's two main ideas. Paul wants the people that are a part of this group... He wants them to be filled with an understanding about God's plan. Why? So that they can walk worthy of their calling. So it is impossible to walk worthy of the calling that we have unless we understand the bigger plan that it's a part of. Why were you created? What is your purpose? I also think it's important to realize that the world wants to answer this question for you. Doesn't everybody want to know what their purpose is? 
Everybody is on a journey of self-discovery, it seems. And if you watch any Disney movie, uh, they want to tell you how to discover yourself. Well, look deep within. Look deep within yourself. And if you do it long enough, if you look hard enough, you will eventually find yourself. And then once you've found yourself... Be true to that self no matter what anybody tells you. Don't let anybody tell you how to live your life. You be you. Now that's one version of self-discovery. Another version is typically a more grown-up or adult version, and that is the belief that you have no inherent identity, and therefore you have no inherent purpose. And it's up to you to create a purpose for yourself. You may hear inspirational quotes telling you, stop trying to find, find out who you are and go out and create an identity for yourself. Stop trying to discover your purpose. Go out and create your purpose. Write your own story. Draw your own map for life. But this is so complicated and always ends in frustration. What if it was never meant to be this complicated? What if our Creator had a purpose in mind when He made us? Now I want you to think with me... um, about a grand piano and just picture it there in your head. Imagine you've never seen a grand piano before and you have no idea what the purpose of this uh, large triangular black box on legs with white and black strips of wood. You have no idea what it's for. Why is it so heavy? What's inside of it? So... You try to uh, come up with a purpose for it. Uh, You think that the top is pretty flat and it's a good surface area. So you start using it as a table. But you find that it's not the right height to put your chairs under. Yeah, that's not it. That can't be what it was made for. So you just use it as a shelf. You start storing things on it. But when you go to move to a different house, you realize this thing weighs a ton. I could easily build a shelf that's just as big, just as sturdy, just as flat, that's way lighter and easier to move. This cannot be its created purpose. So you think, well, maybe I can open up the top of this piano and fill it with water, and it will make a good kiddie pool. Maybe uh, my kids could swim in it. Uh, Maybe I could put some goldfish in there. So you fill it up with water, but pretty soon the water starts draining out the bottom, and you realize this cannot have been denied, uh, designed as a pool. And so finally, you look underneath the piano, and you see a phone number written there. So you call the number and you say, I would like to talk to the person who designed this piano. So the person on the phone says, "Uh, well, sir, I designed the piano, but 
I can't come over there right now. Let me send you somebody who can show you what I had in mind when I created that piano. And so a little while later, your doorbell rings. You open the door and in walks a famous concert pianist. And he sits down, he opens up the piano, and he starts playing this beautiful song. And all of a sudden, your eyes brighten. They get big because you realize, wow, this is an incredible instrument. This thing is beautiful. It, this is the purpose for which it was created. Now, that's a little bit like us. What if our journey towards self-discovery doesn't have to be as complicated as we make it? What if we just need to get in touch with our Creator and say, What did you make me for? What did you have in mind? Well, before we answer the question, Why did God create? We have to do a little more thinking about God before time. I know we thought about it in the last episode, but... Psalm 90, verse 2, it says, Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So, in the beginning, God. There was nothing else, just God, the uncreated one, existing eternally in three persons. Father, Son, and Spirit. In them was life. Colin Brazier mentioned that last week. God had a self-existent, uncreated, unsourced, uncaused life within Him. In the relationship between the members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, was characterized by love. But let me ask you a question. How is love expressed? Real love loves to express itself. It loves to give of itself. And God's love is the real thing. If he existed in three persons who related to each other in love, this sounds like the perfect scenario. Because... There was no darkness, no sin, no need, nothing but love, light, and life. So why would you change anything? Why would you create? A scholar named Kyle Keltz, he's written an article dealing with this question. He writes this, quote, If God is completely perfect, then why would he create anything? Does God need food or shelter? No. As self-sustaining and eternal, God does not need to create resources to feed or sustain himself in any way. Was God bored? No. As all-knowing, there is no experience that would be novel for God and no new knowledge that he could gain. Was God lonely? No. Although God is one, three distinct persons proceed from his divine essence. End quote. So why would God create? I've pondered this question for a long time, 
And finally, my relentless curiosity has taken me on a journey through the Bible to find a satisfying answer. And I'm really excited to share that with you this morning. There are three pictures that have helped me along the way as I try to answer this question, why did God create? The pictures are these. A diamond, a gift, and a family. So let's take those one at a time. Now imagine you have a perfect diamond. Um, You can't improve perfection. The best thing that you can do is put this diamond on display. Now when I went to shop for diamonds for my wife's engagement ring, there were a lot of diamonds displayed against a black background. And this created a contrast so that the beauty of the diamond could be fully expressed. This is what God did in creation. He created a world that he knew would fall into darkness and chaos. But in the midst of that darkness, he would cause his light to shine through a people. First through the people of Israel, and now as an extension of that people... He shines his light through the church, which is his body, the expression of who he is. Ephesians uh, 3, 9 and 10 tells us that God created all things so that through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This word multifaceted makes us think immediately of a diamond that has many sides or facets to it. God describes his wisdom as multifaceted. And he says that through the church, through these many members in one body, he wants to display the many facets of his wisdom. Now, Notice the audience in this passage is not God, and it's not us. It is the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Now this speaks of angels and demons. We know that the angels and the demons, they saw the justice of God. When Lucifer rebelled against God, and many angels followed, They experienced the justice of God without mercy. They were cast out of heaven. But this is not who God is in full. He is also gracious and compassionate. And so he creates man so that through the church, the many sides of his wisdom, the many sides of who he is could be put on display to the angels and the demons. And we will be to the praise of the glory of the grace of God. Through our lives, the undeserved favor of God will be put on display. The second picture that's helpful is a gift. We are told in John chapter 17, verse 6, as Jesus speaks to his Father, he says, I've manifested your name to the people who you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. So, 
We belonged to the Father and we were given as a gift to the Son. So God created, in part, He created mankind as a gift uh, from the members of the Trinity to the members of the Trinity. And that's hard to explain. But the Father gives us to the Son. The Son presents us blameless to the Father. The Spirit is involved in making us blameless before the Father. And so, in one way, the story of creation is the story of love within the Godhead. Love being expressed through gifts. And finally, another picture is the family. My wife and I are very happy together and we don't feel in need of children. But when a husband and a wife come together, they are not lonely. They don't need anything that children could provide. But the overflow of their love produces children. And we call it procreation because it mirrors the creation act. So children are an overflow of the love of parents. But also... Joy that is shared is increased. So parents love to share the joy that they have in their marriage. They love to share that joy with their children. And as it is shared, it is increased. This is one thing that God was doing in creation. He wanted to bring many sons to glory. He wanted Jesus to be the firstborn among many brothers, as Romans 8.29 tells us. God wanted to adopt many children, and he wanted to share his joy with them. We're told that we are created in the image of God, and so God wanted to see himself in us in the same way that parents can see themselves in their children. He wanted people to give himself to and to give himself through, just as parents hope that as they give themselves to their children, their children will then be equipped to give themselves for the good of the world. So just as children are an overflow of their parents' love, mankind is an overflow of the Trinity's love. And just as the joy of husband and wife is increased when it is shared with children, so the joy of the Trinity is increased when it is shared with us. After thinking about these three word pictures, God's reason for creation is much clearer to me. God created in order to give himself away and put himself on display. Let me say that one more time. God created in order to give himself away and put himself on display. Now, if this is the reason that God created, then God's creations find their purpose within his reason for creating them. The God-given purpose of every human being is to receive and reflect the goodness of God. If God made me because he wanted to give himself away, then part of my purpose is to receive his goodness. 
if God made me in order to put himself on display, then part of my purpose is to reflect his goodness. So the God-given purpose of every human being is to receive and reflect the goodness of God. To receive and to reflect the goodness of God. This is not a new idea. It's actually just new language for an old idea. Because if I ask you, what is the chief end of man? You will likely respond with something that you've heard before. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. To glorify God is to put His goodness on display. When Moses asked to see the glory of God, God made His goodness go before Moses. So if we are going to glorify God, we're going to put His goodness on display, but we cannot display what we have not seen. We cannot reflect what we what we do not see. And so we must see the goodness of God for ourselves before we can share it with others. We must receive it in order to reflect it. These are the two sides of your purpose. And you cannot emphasize one over the other. If you make it all about receiving the goodness of God, you end up with the prosperity gospel. My life is about God giving to me. This is only partially true. God placed Adam and Eve in the garden and he gave them so much freely, right? He gave them all the food that they could want. He gave them beauty. He gave them his blessing. He gave and gave and gave. He gave them himself. But... Mankind also had a job to do. God said, fill the world and subdue it. Rule it with me. Reflect me in that way. So man's role was not only to receive, but also reflect the goodness of God. And you can get too caught up on the other end of the spectrum where you make your Christian life all about reflecting the goodness of God. But what happened with Moses when he came down the mountain with his face shining? Well, eventually, the shine went away, right? And it wasn't until he went back up the mountain that his face would again shine. We cannot reflect what we are not seeing for ourselves. We cannot go out into the world in order to display a goodness that we have not seen or have not received. We can only overflow what what has been given to us. We are uh, conduits of the goodness of God. Um, this is why Jesus gave the picture of abiding in John chapter 15. He asked people, abide in me, because apart from me, you can't do anything. You cannot put me on display without being connected to my life source. So, our purpose is to receive and reflect the goodness of God. And this is true of every person. But, I have a unique part to play within that overall purpose. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 describes spiritual gifts. And I wanted to read to you 
Um, as I turn there, I want to read to you part of that passage. It says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit wisdom, and to another uh, the ability to speak knowledge, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. So, God has given each one of us unique gifting and unique abilities to build up the body of Christ and also to contribute to the good of the world. And that's why you are a unique display of the wisdom of God and of the goodness of God. Another example or another passage that describes this for us is in the book of Ephesians. This is God describing the kinds of people that he has given to the church for their good. He says in chapter 4, verse 11, that he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Now, I want to give you an example of this. Imagine you are a paintbrush, but you're trying to dig a hole. That doesn't work very well. And along comes a shovel, and he digs the hole very well. And he points over to a wall that he was trying to paint. And he says, I, I couldn't get that painted. It was too streaky. Why don't you try? And you go over and you find that you were actually created to paint and not to dig because you are a paintbrush. Now, that's a silly example, but we all have a part to play in the body and no one was created to play every part. But together, as the body of Christ, we represent Christ in the world. And we can do that in a more full and complete way together as we each play our specific role. And you do have a specific role. The story of your life has been written by God. Psalm 139, 15-16 says that my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So God had you in mind before you were born. And he had already written the story of your life. Now, another verse that, that helps us is Ephesians 2.10, which says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
Do you know that God has already prepared good works for you to walk in? He has something in mind for your particular life. It's going to be a part of receiving and reflecting His goodness. But you will do that in a unique way that no one else can. And I want you to understand that because that elevates you. That gives a greater sense of purpose that anyone else can give to you. Sure, you can try to do what Adam and Eve did, who they wanted to create a purpose for themselves, and so they rebelled against God. You can try to do what Solomon did, going your own way, trying different things. But at the end of all of his riches, all of his accomplishments, his learning, his pleasure-seeking with women, he finally said, everything's empty, and the best thing to do is to obey God. Why? Because God created you, and He has a purpose in mind, and that purpose is amazing. I want to give you one more example. When I was young, my aunt owned a border collie. And as you probably know, those dogs were bred to herd sheep. When that dog was inside, it had shelter and food and water. And from the perspective of a lot of dogs, it was living the dream. But when it was inside, it looked very unhappy. So most of the time, it was outside. And when it was outside... It would find a bird or a squirrel or something to herd because it, it was created to run around and herd sheep. And when it was doing that, it was so happy. Now think about the piano and the sheepdog. When you try to do something that you were not created to do, not only are you unhappy, But the beauty that was intended to be seen through your life is not seen, like in the case of the piano used for a shelf. It was only when the piano was played that its beauty could be fully seen. It's only when the sheepdog was fulfilling its purpose that its joy was complete. When the creation fulfills its created purpose, the creation is satisfied and the creator is glorified. So I want to ask you, think about what God made you to do. He made you to play a particular part in receiving from Him and putting Him on display. Next week, we're going to talk about surrender. Surrender is this question, will you fulfill your given purpose or will you try to create a purpose for yourself? I hope that you will join us next week. Thanks for listening to Totally His Running the Race. I trust you are encouraged as you seek to grow in your relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to listen to more messages that will be an encouragement in your walk with the Lord, go to the school's website, www.eibibleschool.org, and click on the Resources tab that's at the top of the page, and then you can select the audio library in the drop-down. 
training students to develop a passionate relationship with Jesus Christ that expresses itself in a life devoted to the advancement of God's kingdom is why EI School of Biblical Training exists. We offer a two-year unaccredited associate's degree where students attend classes, hear the Word of God taught, study the Word, and are encouraged to develop their relationship with the Lord. Our classes are designed to be both intellectually challenging and heart-searching. Some stay on for a third year and work towards getting a bachelor's degree. If you'd like to find out more about the school, visit our website, www.eibibleschool.org. Again, that's www.eibibleschool.org.